0: You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web podcast network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and the A131 and the A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at AudixUSA.com. I know, Michael, the podcast is the same time every night. I, I get it. I get it. Oh, You want me to read it? Okay, hang on one second. I think I have it laying right here. Oh, it's right here in this pile of bills. Um, Alan Heath has asked us to read this. We frequently ask ourselves, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? But we think it's clear that the real question, what the heck is a woodchuck? And more importantly, do they know any good taco places around here?
1: Welcome back to Signal Noise podcast. I'm your whatever co-host Chris Leonard. We have Kyle inside uh, Michael Lawrence.
2: Well, you um, started that one before you were mentally prepared. I could tell you just yes, jumped right in.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I lost a body part last week. That's so, crazy. Do yeah. you? Do, how much less do you weigh? Uh, not enough. I I want a refund. Actually, um, I feel like
2: you should check that. Like that would have been cool science, dude, to see how how much weight was removed from your person.
1: Well, the, well, all right. Well, let's put some context it's here. Like, by the way, I got I, I got like my appendix. I got my well, no, I got my appendix removed, and the doctor said, um, uh, which by the way was some of the worst pain I've had. Not the removal, but the leading up to it. Um, he said my appendix was inflamed to the width of my stomach, and it was like gangrene and nasty and everything like that. So, Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll yeah. see you really you know, <laughs> next week. Um, oh, Kyle
2: Turnside, <laughs> Kyle Turnside. What's the coolest thing you have in arm's reach this week?
0: I knew you were going to do it right away, so I went and grabbed something. Well, we don't want to hear and, about inflated So my listeners think I'm, I'm as smart as you guys. Um, I got a book that I've actually <laughs> read through. It is the uh, Book of Hip Hop Cover Art. Oh, cool. And I thought it would be appropriate because I went back and I listened to the Jade episode and we were talking about um, albums and why you bought vinyl and everything. But probably one of my favorite albums on the cover that's uh, public in me. I was just listening to that the other day. Man, exclusive interview with Chuck D, which is one of my faves. Um, And then just as a bonus, I got uh, Stewie from Family Guy.
3: Okay.
2: I used Uh, to have a
0: bunch of things that I'd set out on the console. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. have those running around tour or whatever. So I always collect little, little stupid things that I could put out.
2: Um, today's episode is brought to you by Cabot, seriously sharp, 18 months aged cheddar cheese, which I'm enjoying here as we go. That's why I was late logging on. I couldn't find the cheese
1: knife. So I've got a it. I haven't been doing that for
0: Taco here. Bell for like Chris has Chris year. had
1: Taco Bell actually. Yeah, um, I, that's I, monster I was good. a little, a little overzealous. I went for three cheesy, gr- gritty, crunches too many. I couldn't do it. Couldn't Two do. is the sweet spot. Yep.
2: Um, my actual, with Arms Reach, these are two brand new Duracell batteries, because um, when you buy an Xbox controller, you get two brand new batteries with it. But I have a tub in my basement of, like, literally 200 double A's that came out of mic packs and are half-dead. Can't be used for another show, but I'm not throwing them out. So I, I am not putting the brand new batteries in my Xbox. I'm going to put these in my in my uh, workbox and put the half-dead ones in the controller. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So that's the coolest thing I have with Arms Reach, cheese and batteries um what is that chris leonard so kyle
1: should know what this is before oh is CMI that the, is that the yeah, 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 yeah 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 yeah. it's a pm yeah, 5- we
0: were talking about that the other day too P- P- pm5d pm1d
1: pcma a pc PCI. how the fuck you say this thing? pcmi uh you know it has the like compact flash that goes inside it uh yep. yeah yeah is there cool. a file
2: on there or is it you just have it um you're like some old uh like josh groban show files on
1: so i don't know if that's on this compact flash or not because I've, i might have r- rotated it out but um i definitely have all those old 1d and 5d files backed up somewhere not that i'll ever use them but i have them
2: okay cool our guest this episode uh is mary broadbent she's a tour manager she's a production manager backline tech guitar tech she does a lot of a lot of different stuff she's been in the music touring industry for 15 plus years She's tour managed for artists that uh, Chris has trouble pronouncing, such as Claro, The Mowgli's, Magic Giant, The Staves, Lute, Rabel. I am so uncool that I don't think I've heard any of those. But I have heard of Tegan and Sarah, Plain White T's, uh Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, one of my favorite bands of all time. We're definitely going to talk about the work figures. you did. With Yeah, awesome stuff. Um, Mary, thank you for, for joining us. Welcome to the show.
0: Yay. Yay.
2: Thanks for having me. What's the coolest thing you have in arm's reach?
3: Oh, <laughs> I put on the spot. That's the idea. See, she did I was wondering if you're going to ask me that.
1: Oh no! Oh, we just Hold broke it. Oh um, man! Hug, uh, Kyle, here. you now owe her whatever she just dropped. I'm not sure. what she This just is
3: this is a little house.
1: Oh my like heavens! That. And like
3: it used to be. It used to be. I guess it was a box because it has a latch on it, and I it's from my, it. my 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 grandparents' house. Um or whatever. It's my dad my dad I'm in my dad's um office right now, so he he has that. So that's
2: And then, now you broke his thing. So we won't uh, we won't
1: tell him <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see anything. Yeah, don't let him listen to the show.
0: That's a creepy looking <laughs> house. It looks like the house from I um, know. Monster
3: house. <laughs> I it's um I think it's modeled after like old English cottages and stuff like that, because um he's from England, so maybe I'm guessing it's kinda like that.
2: So i I think you you've done two jobs that we haven't talked about at all on the show in 100 and I think this is going to be what, Chris, 112. Sure. Episode yeah. 112, yeah. something yeah. like that. Pick a number. Um, People are tech right t-shirts and and merch. So we haven't we haven't talked about those at all. And I know Kyle's going to have some stuff to say about the merch stuff too. So um, I oh, I, well, you can't
1: you can't get free swag, dude. Come on, jeez.
2: <laughs> Let's start where we always start, though. I mean, so how, where where was Mary's path? How did you end up uh, doing what you've done?
3: Um, well, uh, I went to school actually for TV video production and then doing an internship out in LA, someone suggested I should go on tour. So I immediately kind of changed gears after hearing that. Um, so when I graduated, I just, you know, went to Craigslist back when it was kind of okay to go to Craigslist <laughs> and, um, started just like, you know, using keywords and trying to find jobs, just like rummaging the internet. Like trying to find anything like a stagehand gig at a chili cook-off or what have you. And then I kind of eventually got a break um, working for Big Bad Voodoo Daddy as their merchandise girl and truck driver. Um, So that's how I kind of got my start.
2: That's a pretty wild first gig. I mean, they're an awesome band. Um, Little trivia. A lot of people say, I haven't heard of Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, but you probably have. You just didn't know it was them. (laughs) If you've seen the movie The Mask, they're the swing band that plays in the bar. Uh, It's awesome. And I've seen them live. It was an awesome show. I had a great time. Um, so well, Kyle, what are you getting into over there? Nothing. <laughs> um, I'm happy. So uh, you, you kind of working as merch person, you sort of kind of got basically a front row seat to seeing how the tour management aspect happens, right? Like you were kind of watching the operation go. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of got into the industry, I guess, from the ground And then, you know, went up from there Uh, and um, just uh, I just watched my tour manager. You know, he's very organized. Um, He's still their tour manager, Brian Stanley um, with Big Bad Voodoo Daddy Uh, and just kind of was a sponge. I just absorbed a lot of what he did and, you know, how organized he was and how he executed um, and delegated responsibilities to his crew as well as local um, stagehands. So it was really good to be. working alongside him and kind of understand how the ins and outs of being a tour manager went. Uh so that it was it was a great opportunity for me to jump on that tour. It really helped me out.
0: And those guys are pretty relentless. They tour pretty much all the time. Like and do a ton of special events too, right?
3: Oh yeah. I mean they do they do corporate, they're they're regulars, I think now I could say that with eat the Eat to the Beat um, at Disney and Epcot every fall. Um, they do a lot. They do a Christmas tour around. They do summer runs. They do a lot of weekend warrior stuff. They're always working if they can. And it's, I feel like it's hard to find um, people that are just so, um, they're always on the same, like, they always have the same sort of like vibe about them. They're always in a good mood. There's nobody that's like ever like too upset or like nobody's got too many Rocky. There's not too many Rocky personalities in that band. Um, I mean, maybe there was before I I worked with them, but like every time I work with them, it's just, everybody's just happy to be there. They always have a good vibe about them. You know, everybody's just always chill and really, really nice and sweet and they don't, um, They don't overthink the gigs and they don't get too um, you know, they don't take anything too personal. If like something goes wrong with a gig. They're really great people.
2: How did you, do you play guitar? How did you come into guitar tech? Uh, That's kind of interesting to me that you kind of moved into that.
3: Oh, um, well, uh, I do play some guitar, but, um, I actually went to Brian, um, when there was an opening up for that position, um, And I think it was like maybe two years actually before I got it. And I just told him over like breakfast, I was like, you know, it looks like you need a new guitar tech stage manager. I really would love to be considered for the opportunity Um, and just, you know, went out and talked to him about it. And um, I think like I did like one day where I kind of shadowed somebody else or the old um, guitar tech. And I think um, he still just wasn't sure whether or not I was able to do the job. So I didn't get it then. But then he kept on. He kept up with me on social media and saw how hard I was working and how much like I really wanted to be in the music industry. And I still had that hunger. So then he um, he hired me on later on in 2015. And I've been um, working with him, him and other bands like now off and on, just doing guitar teching and stuff. So.
1: So I, I like, you said a couple things and that we've hit on a bunch before is A, music, keyword being music industry, right? So like, there's a lot of roles within this industry, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that perseverance with dedication, like I, 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 I've talked, I, I love talking like career advice to a lot of people. And I always say that like, that like the money or the opportunities will come like just just go for it and people you know put yourself out there and people it'll eventually come to those who not to his weight but who those who who actually um uh put the work forward i mean it, it's it, it's gonna happen like it's not it's not if, if you're busting your ass and you care about what you're doing you have the passion for it or whatever you're gonna get work you're gonna get paid it may not be in the timing uh, the timing fashion or where you want it right away but mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna come to you
3: Yeah. I will say, though, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I think it is kind of a little bit, um, it's a little annoying being a tour, a merchandise person um, on tour at times, because sometimes people just pigeonhole you and think, oh, that's all they can do. And then your opinion is undermined for a lot of different things just because of that. Um, And you're not, I think in some, touring camps you may not be considered like at the same respect level as other people because of that um and also then they don't think of you for other opportunities they may not think like oh okay this person's been doing merch for two years well they're good at merch so let's keep them there and let's not give them a shot Mm. at being like a production um assistant or a coordinator it's just like yeah they're good at that job because they can do that job but it doesn't mean like they can't do another job great too but you just don't want to see them for that you want to see them as just merch so and uh, um
1: The other correlation there too, I think, and Kyle can maybe test this, would be, I think a lot of people in this industry have had to go, okay, I've been a sound engineer for this long. Uh, I need to go. There's no sound work, right? I have to go find. I have to find a gig now. What What are my actual skill sets other than hey, I can mix a band, right? And yeah, so yeah. Many, so many other of like detail oriented, or I <laughs> uh, can manage people, and like all of those things. I, I'm curious. Um, so since you saw, you've seen the uphill battle for maybe yourself and others. Do you, as a tour manager, now try to flip the scene on that and and see those good things in people and and try to bring 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 people out? uh from from merch or other areas within within a tour?
3: Yeah, I mean I try to. I mean I've definitely I haven't had there was somebody recently who um told me they wanted to get out of the you know the underbelly of being a merch person and said I want to do production management or not production management, but I want to be like really that I did this on another tour. Unfortunately though, with the tour that we were on, when he was given those opportunities to step up and show me he could be more than a merch person, he kind of like b- dropped mm-hmm. the ball and went to go get like a sandwich when I wanted to tell, when I wanted him to do something. <laughs> but so I was like, well, yeah. you know, like that's your moment. Like you're not, no one's going to point out those moments to you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have to be I, smart enough to know what they are. Yeah. Um, I, I but think there's you other also... people I keep in mind.
0: I, I think you also saying that people underestimate the merch person. I think they really do because as heavy as it may seem, that's where the band's making money. So the person that they put on merch has to know how to talk to people, how to work really fast, lift yeah. stuff. I mean, the merch person, how to not, not burn them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, like, you guys never get a, a loader. Like no one ever wants to help out merch. You got these yeah. huge racks. Like it, uh, I went from so I merch on all the little punk rock tours that I did you know, and doing sound for all three bands or whatever the case may be. It was actually really fun because you got to meet a lot of people one and talk to the fans firsthand, you know, which was really cool and then holy shit, Fall Boy on their first tour like they were doing like 3K merch a night. No Like, we were having merch shipments, drop shipments, like, the other day. Um, Wow. I couldn't imagine having that kind of volume. Like, it doesn't get any easier. Once the band gets bigger, it just doesn't get any easier Mm -hmm. being a merch person. And those numbers are way important. Because you think about it, tour managing, most of your stuff is settled before you even walk in the door. Merch is a constantly changing climate. And it's got to be on, because that's your money.
3: Yeah, you have to you have to be able to do quick math. You have to be able to settle and make sure that you're walking away with the right amount of money. Uh, you're all and you know keeping track of of your money all night long, as well as like sometimes you settle at like two o'clock in the morning and your brain's fried from being nice yep. to people all night when they say, "Does that shirt come in any color but black?" And it's just like no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like
0: so how many it, times. the venue tried to screw you
3: um
0: countable or uncountable
3: i mean all that stuff's really a blur It, it i would it's everybody has their their little tricks and then you you have to learn your own and then it just you have to kind of read the room on the tour like Oh, one of the first jobs, one of the first times I was touring with another band not Voodoo Daddy, like, and doing merch, like uh, I was told that I needed to change the numbers. And as great as that is for like the band walking away with more money, again, like if you're not too if you're still kind of green, which I was um to to doing merch you could easily fuck up the count or like you could, the person who's settling with you could catch you, which I got caught because <laughs> they wanted to do a check. <laughs> um, and uh, then you, your name, your your face and your name look like the asshole. Like they don't remember the band, they remember that specific person. And then if you come through that venue again, they're gonna carry that with them and be like, oh, this girl, like, oh, we're, we're you know, we're gonna like double check her shit all night long or whatever, we can't trust her, you know? Uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of just being honest um, and just being fair when it comes to settlements and things like that. But obviously if things, if something's dumb, like say I have somebody that was supposed to help me and they were fucking off all night. Sorry. I don't know if you guys cast on the show. I'm sure. I'm we sure you do. do. Yeah. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, um, I'm gonna talk to, um, the man, the, you know, whoever I'm settling with, uh, the main dude and just be like, yo, I don't think it's fair to pay this person this much money or whatever. So, but.
2: I I just want to circle back to one thing that you said that I love, which is like you knew the guitar tech stage manager position was open and you asked, like we, that's something that I wish I could like pound into people's foreheads with, with, I, I don't know, some sort of blunt instrument. Like sometimes the best way to take to advantage of an opportunity is to just ask. Um, and it doesn't even occur to people that they should, speak up and say hey i'm interested in this and that's really important i'm glad you mentioned that
3: yeah i mean i I just ask or put it out there i mean because if you don't create your own like your own little world within touring somebody's gonna create it for you and
0: (laughs) you're right kyle oh my eye popped out Uh, like somebody
3: somebody else is going to label you in touring if you don't go mm. ahead and do it yourself. So like if you're starting in merch, like I was saying earlier, people pigeonhole you for that position and they don't think of mm-hmm. anything outside of that. But if you advertise like, no, I do this. No, I do that. Consider me for this. Consider me for that. Like not like all the time to an annoying extent, but at least just put it out there that like right. you you don't want to be considered for one thing and you want to grow within the industry some people still won't see you for that and i think that's kind of where i was um, with voodoo daddy and then it just took a lot of like social social media posts and like not intentionally but just sort of saying like oh i'm on this tour I'm on this tour and they're like oh this girl's really interested she doesn't want to just do merch and then fuck off and go get a job like somewhere else you know uh,
1: so i, I want to also emphasize what you said there and i I preach this too in career advice or whatever and again i work mostly in the corporate space um uh, like you know corporate production stuff and um and social media is powerful in terms of work i mean one of the biggest things i tell freelancers is that the most non-invasive way to be in front of my face all year round and to know when i come to that town i'm who 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 i can get to or what you've been up to is post your shit you know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't have to be a flashy. I don't need you embellishing as to what you did or didn't actually really do. You know, if you, yeah. if you weren't, if you weren't the, the A1, I don't care if you're not the a one i do not care if not the a one Like, I need all calibers of people, I, you know. Um, and um, and there's creative ways that people, people say, oh, I have NDAs, this, that, and the other. Um, but, like, it's, it's – you are – you're a brand, right? As a, I don't care if you're a full-timer, I don't care if you're a freelancer, you are constantly a brand. Um, and it, look, if you're completely off social, totally fine. But if you're on it, lean into it and use it because it is a powerful, powerful tool that people like myself who employ people, I put I employ thousands of people a year and and I use it heavily and stuff. Like as soon as I'm look, going to a town and I look for someone, I, I need someone, I'm looking you up or someone recommend you, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling back. I'm seeing what you've been doing. So I, 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 I love that. Like, you know, you're consciously like, Hey, I'm, I'm building a virtual resume, if you will, outside of just, you know, uh, words, words on a piece of paper.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's also good for just like, uh, like some people I've met it's just through it's, it's weirdly through social media. Like, um, there's a great front of house girl named, uh, Rachel Ryan, um, who, like, I think she, we were on, like, some sort of Facebook group together and she was like, ah, my tour fell through and I'm like, oh, dude, mine fell through, let's get drinks, we both live in LA, and that was it like, we didn't know each other, and then we just kind of kept up with each other, like, for the next couple years, and now, like um, if I hear of any gigs for her, because I don't really do front of house, like I'll always be like, "Hey, do you want to take this?" Like, "Hey, do you want to take that?" I always keep her in mind.
1: It's networking. You know? like, it's it's literally yeah. networking in its purest form. Like that's what I, I yeah. love. I love about it. It's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good side to the to the social side of things.
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's good because you. It's nice to know. In in a way like uh, like if you have people that you're gonna go tour with and you kind of know who they are and you know their vibe, it's great to be more excited about that tour. Um, yeah. If you're going out, um, also just circling back to just like going out there and saying certain things, like uh, to just you know putting it out there, like oh I'm available or oh I want to do this. Like I do um, like cold call emails all the time to management. I'm just like, nice. dude, I'm like. I'm like, hey, just checking in, like seeing if you're going to be staffing for your tour this year for such and such an artist or any other artist that you're managing, blah, 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 you know. And most of the time you don't hear back from people. And then sometimes you do. And then like two years later, you might hear back from them. I think that that's so important just to put yourself out there. Like rejection is not something to be scared of in this industry.
0: No,
2: And, you know, there's kind of a secret benefit to that, which is people might discount it, but it's real, which is you email and they go, oh, Mary Broadbent, like whatever, not going to answer her, archive, delete, whatever. Eighteen months later, if your name comes up for them to go, oh, I know that name, versus them never having heard the name, like that is a big factor in Absolutely. if they decide to call you or not. If if you, if the name feels familiar to people, that's a, that's a big thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, it helps.
0: I got home and realized that ninety percent of my friends on my. Facebook are touring folk that don't live anywhere near me, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it, it's a wake up thing, you know. It's it's like you have to use. I, I look at <laughs> what is it Bobnet all the time. I listen. I watch the front of house monitor page. Like I'm on the Digico page. I'm on the Midas thing. Like it, it's like the only way I can see what my friends are up to, and and it keeps everyone together. I think. Yeah. How many tours have you been where you were like, I know that dude. I know that mm-hmm. chick. I know, oh, this is going to be cool. Like you show yeah. up and and half your friends are there anyways. It's a small business. It's it's crazy.
3: Yeah. I also um I I feel you on the whole like a lot of your social revolves around, you know, your work and you have a lot of touring friends, which uh I kind of like cuz I mean, even though it's really bad to always be on social media and I try and like, you know, have a cap for it daily uh it's nice to know that people are going maybe through the same stuff i'm going through on the road because even though when you're with a group of people you're touring with sometimes you can feel so alone and feel like people aren't experiencing the same kind of tour you are um so it's nice to have
0: that
2: yeah well that's what i was gonna that's what reminded me of kyle exactly like uh, watching and it was and it was terrible and i never want to see it happen again watching all my friends lose their their livelihoods And one LinkedIn post after another of, oh, guys, hey, I'm looking for new opportunities now. But the support from the community is like, dude, we're all in the same boat. Like, you're not the only ones going through this. And now, uh, you know, happily, I'm starting to see those people posting that they're getting their jobs back or getting new opportunities. And and I never
0: thought I was going to be excited about the picture that says, like hashtag my office and it's a picture of like their console oh, yeah. or their guitar <laughs> world or whatever yeah <laughs> like, i used to hate when people did that like and now i'm like oh thank goodness it's back it's yeah scary. but you know but for me it was like i there's nothing
2: i can do personally to help you you know you lost your job like i, I i'm powerless to to help all of my friends who are out of work but Thanks, it Michael. was Hey, man, I've written you several letters <laughs> um, but i I think there there was some something that was i guess graceful about seeing forty or fifty or sixty people just sort of offering support to that person and mm. just saying, "Hey, man, you know, we're here, and um you know uh, we're going through it, and we're we're supporting you and we're keeping an eye on you and and you're not alone, you know um that as intangible as that is, it was. Um, it was, it was really nice to see people kind of looking out for each other. So um, th- there's that factor too.
1: So I'm curious. So, um, you know, in your bio, it says, you know, during, during the pause, which I like the word pause, um, <laughs> um, as, as opposed to other words for what's been happening the last year and a half. Two years Longest some, roadie so. Friday ever. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, you, you, you found yourself working as a COVID compliance officer for ABC Disney show rebel. Um, yeah. Can you talk more about that? and, and, how you came about that? What was that? What was that like? What was kind of your daily gig? Well, I mean, I've heard the COVID compliance officer thing been thrown around some, you know, what's, what was all that about?
3: Yeah. So, um, I got a certificate basically online that made me a COVID compliance officer from taking a two hour seminar. Uh, and then I, as I mentioned earlier, like I went to school for TV, video production, and I had like a couple friends in that industry still. Uh, so I reached out to them and said like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do now. So if anything comes like to you guys, like pass it on to me, I'll apply. And that's what I did. So that's how I got the job. Um, and I, I was really in shock. I was like, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. Uh (laughs) I was was this is
1: kind of like, uh, Hey, Michael's getting married this weekend. I'm going to, I'm going to go online and get my, my, uh, my pastor or whatever thing. And I can go marry Michael, you know, next weekend or something.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was just a. That is a great it was idea. Really <laughs> <awesome>.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm calling <laughs> yeah. but
3: uh, it, uh, it kept it kept me busy um, and um, getting some you know flow of cash um, during the whole pandemic, or you know during most of the worst part of the pandemic, I should say. And then, uh, but it was just oh god, sitting in front of a computer for twelve hours a day. I mean, I have my limits with being a tour manager in front of a computer, but it was, it was a lot. Um, although it, it was great to kind of see the TV world, which I've been absent from for years and like learn certain terms, like, you know, there's a term called a loader. And for us that's somebody who's loading a truck, but for them, it's somebody who's like loading footage into like a camera. Mm. <laughs> so just all the the same terms, but used a little differently. And, you know, uh, it was a really nice show to be on. And, um, uh it, i think it got canceled but <laughs> uh. it was uh it was still it was still pretty cool to you know be be with a different group of people and kind of like going through the pandemic and getting tested weekly was one of the bonuses of the job so
0: yeah that's that's fun um yeah. speak about abc disney that's pretty huge like were they really picky about everything was everything ran really smooth or was it a nightmare
1: or <laughs> or don't, uh, or don't answer it's okay either way. Oh, answer. <laughs> i
0: i love I love Disney and when you say Epcot you say you do these shows like that that's a dream you know instead. oh I
3: know I'm like an undercover Disney nerd but not like mm-hmm. as bad as some people I'd say um Has but bad uh, right Chris? <laughs> <laughs> oh um but uh but yeah I, it was it was nice to work for that company I mean we didn't work at like the Disney lot or anything we worked at Sunset Gower Studios in Hollywood. Um, and uh, they were very, they had their own masks that were approved that we could wear. We could wear just any old masks. That was kind of one of their policies. Um, and I think with um, with our show, our Zone A people, which is basically anybody who is um, clo- within close proximity to the actors with their masks off and there for filming. So like the director, the camera, all those guys, um, they had to get tested three times a week. But anybody else who was just You know making sets um carpenters uh those types of people who were just kind of like there before the actors got there and not there afterwards like they only tested once a week um so uh but it was it was kind of nice uh working for that company and um but i mean there was nothing there wasn't anything i think people just got like a little annoyed because i don't know it's it's just like, you know, the the star of the show is COVID. That's kinda how we put it while we mm-hmm. were doing that show or we were mm-hmm. testing people. It's like the star of the show is COVID. Like you you have to answer to COVID. You have to answer to the mouse, you have to answer to COVID. And this is how like things are gonna roll. And you can't just be like, Well, I'm such and such, or I don't wanna do this. It's just like, Well, then we kinda have to stop production until we can stick something up your nose and make sure you're okay. <laughs> you <know? laughs>
0: I like where this is going. Yeah. See, That's I had as much detail there, as I can give. Right now. <laughs> they they didn't call him the mouse; they called him the other vermin.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, well, I just want to throw it. I, I am I am an undercover Disney fan too. Very specific. I love the Haunted Mansion, and uh, I'm really really nerdy about the uh, the Tower of Terror because oh, some of the engineering wait. that has gone into that thing. Okay, you got. Let's hear it. What do you got? You're I was
3: going to say like, well, I would, so I'm wondering though, if you prefer the Haunted Mansion when it's Nightmare Before Christmas or regular Haunted Mansion, and also uh, the Tower of Terror, do you like the one that's still going on in Hollywood or when they've renovated it into the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy right now?
2: No, here? no, no. I'm OG, OG Tower of Terror. And there's <laughs> some really cool, okay. I'll give you one cool trivia about that. I and mean, we're going to move on. Uh, the, the When you're standing on the concrete, you're waiting in line. You're like in the garden hotel, the queue all the concrete sidewalk is poured three degrees crooked. So you're not standing on flat ground. It just messes with your equilibrium just a little bit. They want you to kind of feel a little bit off. And I think that's really cool. Is so- that
3: someone, Di- someone at Disneyland? Or uh, is both? Hollywood, I, uh, Tower Terrain. I think
2: that's the Hollywood one. Um, okay. I also know when they were first testing it, this idea that you know it, there's these motors that pull the elevator car down faster than free fall. The first time they tried it, they compressed the air in the elevator shaft underneath and they blew out all the walls in the basement of the building. Uh, so they had to rebuild it, which is pretty cool.
3: And everybody uh, died. <laughs>
0: Man, so I love Disney conspiracy theories. Oh my Lord.
3: <laughs> oh my God. I have a, I have one. Well, I don't have a conspiracy theory, but I have like one to two. Well, we can save it for after the podcast. No, 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 do it, do, it. In- do it. Oh, okay. Well, someone I used to know, maybe it's a family member, used to work at Disney.
1: <laughs> maybe it's a and.
3: uh it's the Disney, Disney world. And like, uh, she told me a story how one time they, you know, how they used to have the gondola to kind of, or not the gondola, but what are they called? The little guys mon, that
1: mono, uh, monorail,
3: mon, mon, not the monorail. They're little, they're the individual little baskets. that kind of
1: oh. lift
2: thingy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Okay. So the chairlift, yeah. They, used, they used to have that at Disney world. Um, and, uh, I guess when they were cleaning one, a bunch of uh, Disney, uh faculty or whatever, um what are they called? Characters or I don't know what their name is. Cast members. Cast members. Cast Cast (laughs) members. They were like playing cards or something. One of them was like cleaning one of those guys and somehow the ride started and he they were hanging outside of one of the baskets and it kind of like hovered over because it was moving. So they were like hanging on for their day of life and it hovered over um the Dumbo ride and they fell on the Dumbo ride. And then they, you know, they said like that whole like wall of like Please, like, excuse our fairy dust. We're like renovating, and it's just like give an aerial shot of like someone's dead on the
1: <laughs> on oh, the Dumbo
3: ride. <laughs> wow, that um, took a so turn. That's, <laughs> so that's one. I'm sorry, you guys want to hear this. No, Kyle brought his dead
2: dog to the podcast a couple weeks ago, so you're fine.
3: Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and then another story was I heard um, this woman, she, her son really loved the Haunted Mansion ride, and she, I guess. Uh, begged the staff to throw his ashes in the haunted mansion ride, and they told her no. And then she did it anyway. And now there's apparently a real ghost, or one of the real ghosts in the Disney World ride, is like wandering around and says, uh, "Have you heard, heard my? Have one. you seen my mom or whatever?"
2: You know about the bullet that
0: hole? Before. That?
3: I have. Yeah, the bullet hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah that's that's. Bullet, um, they put a spider over out.
1: it. I feel like we need to start a whole new podcast about Disney (laughs) Disney secrets. Secrets. Yeah. Okay. Please, please, please. All right. Well, let's. We might. We we we, you might never hear from us again. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh
3: my gosh! Are are you guys going to go to Nam? If you guys go to Nam in in um in Anaheim in January, we could do a, a Disney Disneyland podcast. That's
2: true. We should do it. All right. So. All right. So <laughs> anyone who is interested in that, come to Nam. Also, I think this is an appropriate time to say we're going to be at the CFX trade show in September, Church Facilities Expo. Um, we're going to be there with ProSound Web for the Live Sound International Loudspeaker Showcase. Uh, you're going to hear PA systems from a bunch of different manufacturers. They do round robin. It's really cool. You get to kind of hear all the different systems and see the software and talk to the reps. I'm going to be running the console and Kyle and Chris are gonna be the MCs. Uh, I know Will is gonna be out there. Kyle Jen's gonna be out there. I think Hannah's gonna be out there. It'll be a good time. So it'll out, be the first us.
1: time I have met Kyle or Michael or the three of us ever been in a room together.
2: That's true. We've never all three of us have never all been in a room together. So there's that. Kyle's gonna take us to uh, Waffle House. So that's <sighs> happening. Um there's some prizes you can win door prizes and stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to that and it's free, by the way, you can go on, Chris, maybe you can put the link up in our Facebook group and stuff. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Can I'll, I'll get back to that. Yeah. I'd... And if you register for the demo, you also get a free badge to the show floor. So you can actually go and check out the, wow. uh, the trade show. All
0: right. I want to, I wanted to talk about TMN and PM. and Yeah. I was going to say too. I yeah. think that's like natural progression for those have been on the road for a while and can do the books is to is to kind of get into a pm or a TM position how did you move into that one
3: uh well right after i i basically did two two tours um like uh, working merchandise um and for about two years with like voodoo daddy and another band and uh then um i just I quit. I was like, I'm done. Like, all, I can learn all I can from merch. And um, I went back to Craigslist, just started looking for jobs. And I found one as a, a tour manager for uh, an indie band that was going to like South by Southwest and everything. And it was like a week long gig, but it was all fly dates. So it was a lot of, you know, learning and like having to do a lot of planning and advancing. Um, it was a really heavy tour, even though it was like for one week long. Uh, and then I just, I, I didn't have that many connections cause like Facebook wasn't around, LinkedIn wasn't around. Um, I think maybe my space was around, but it wasn't really <laughs> like a social type of network really. Um, so, uh, I kind of was just, I was doing marketing tours for a while and doing tour management on marketing tours. Um, and kind of, st- I stayed afloat during, during doing that for a while and then Um, Eventually I started working again with indie bands and started looking at festivals and seeing um, who was on the festivals and then realizing okay if they're going on festivals that must be mean they're planning a tour around those festivals and then reaching out to those bands because usually by the time a band announces their tour it's too late they're already Mm -hmm. staffed you know but if you can catch a band announcing uh, being announced on a festival then you're like oh wait I might have a chance to like jump on these tours. Um, so that's my little secret that I've used for a while to just try and like reach out to, to different bands and get on, get on door with them. And that's what I did for a long while. So that's kind of how I made the transition. It was just like an immediate, like, okay, I'm going to try this and just make it work.
2: Hmm. So you talk about in, in your bio, you talk about kind of double duty tour managing and like guitar tech. Um, is <laughs> that, that seems like it would be very chaotic.
3: <laughs> uh... Yeah, but see, I think that I'm trying to make up for the fact that um, I don't really do sound, and so I love being a tour manager. I want to just do tour management. That's my thing. That's my jam. But mm. so many bands are at that level where they're like, "Okay, well, um, we want you to tour manage, but you also have to do front of house." And I'm just mm-hmm. like, "Well, fuck, I can't do that, but I can do this." Or like, "Like, let me do this for you." You know, it's my way of like staying. Please let me tour manage you, and I will offer you this extra thing that I can do
1: to compensate. It's a big Nashville thing. So the Guitar Tech uh, TM, Guitar Tech PM thing in the Nashville world, like because of the Nashville world, a lot of them do like weekend warrior stuff, Thursday through Sunday, and they're back in Nashville. So you're on and off a bus. You can be there. You can unload the gear when it gets back, shit like that. So I mean, that's a that's a very common practice in the in that Nashville world.
3: Oh, that's so funny, because to me, it's like TM front of house, like always and forever. So I've just started just being like, all right, I'll do the guitar tech thing for you. And it's just kind of worked out um, for some bands where they're like, okay, cool. Like, let's do this, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, or they have a front of house person. That's just like, I am done tour managing this band. I will stay Mm -hmm. with this band, but you need to find somebody else to tour manage and then make them do something else or whatever and because there's so many so many people that are in the audio world that don't want to do the tm stuff and i can totally understand why Mm -hmm. um but they you know they have to sometimes to make ends meet
2: what's the highest number of guitars you've ever had to look after at once
3: Ooh, um i mean i wouldn't say that many compared to probably other people but um i was out with against me Right before the like right when the pandemic happened. Um and I think it was like one, two, three, four, five, six, like maybe like twelve.
1: Wow. I think that's like a 12, good number. Twelve a night.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, you know, an acoustic electric backups, um, and having to that band plays hard. They're a punk band, you know. Mm-hmm. So their whole thing was you have to change all our strings every single day and you have to stretch them out. So I spent basically from before soundcheck uh, through soundcheck, like just stretching guitar strings and like tuning them and making sure they were good for the show. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of guitars.
2: So, all right. So Scotty, how many guitars does Scotty travel with? Cause I feel Ooh. like, I feel like, he just has he, he feels like to me, he feels, seems like the guy that would just have one guitar and he just loves that fucking guitar. And, and that's it.
3: You're not wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> Scotty. Scotty has a uh, one guitar that he always plays. He has one backup that he never uses. And then he has a banjo. Ooh. So, so that's, that's his rotation. And, um, What he does is he'll play like one to maybe three songs in a row that require his guitar, Uh, and then he'll you know do a song where he doesn't need the guitar. And then um, you know I'll I'll tune it and you know just like make sure the strings are good. Usually he doesn't play the string, he doesn't he doesn't break strings really because he plays so light. Uh, And then just give it back to him. So, are you a big secret like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy fan? Because you knew Scotty's name.
2: Well, it's in one of the songs.
3: Oh yeah, you, it is. But yeah, like no, but I,
2: I mean, I have a couple of their. I have a, actually, my parents have a couple of their albums on CD,
3: so oh, we have okay.
2: CDs. Yeah, no, I I just think they're great, and I also I, we've talked about this. We had uh, we had Dennis from Five Iron Frenzy on the show a couple episodes mm. back, and for me growing up, that was like one of the things I was listening to. Where I learned how to arrange for horns and like how to compose for horns and how to voice mm. those harmonies and stuff. So it was like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. And Five Iron Frenzy were kind of the two things that were kind of, you know, that I was consuming at that, you know, when I was younger that, that I just learned about horn writing from. So um, Mm. yeah, it, it's cool. And and it's unique music. It's fun music. I've always thought it would be cool. A cool mix, you know? So yeah,
1: I'll say I'm a fan. I'll I'll go that far.
3: (laughs) That's nice.
1: (laughs) Kyle, what's your, uh, what's your fanboy
2: questions here? I was going to say, I know there's a fanboy question (laughs) with all these acts that you have.
0: Well, i i saw the staves they're good i like those guys and, um, <laughs> yeah. i've seen big bad voodoo daddy countless times i think um but you also said um my morning jacket which i haven't oh, heard yeah. for a while but um i like those folks too and wait, then wait who, i have another
2: fanboy question <laughs>
0: well, that's mine did, did, well did, does
2: does voodoo daddy travel with an upright piano when I saw them they had an upright. That was a long time ago. Do they travel with that? Uh
3: yes and no, it just depends on the show. If it's like in California or on the West Coast, there's a larger chance you'd see an upright piano. But if it's the East Coast, they'll travel with um a keyboard. Or they'll they might advance a piano, but usually it's like a baby grand. It's not mm. going to be upright.
2: Right. Cool. Well, I saw them in upstate New York about 15 years ago and they had an upright. So so there you have it. <laughs> There, I've yeah. wondered about that since then. So now I got an answer. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mary. I appreciate it.
3: Those are not fun to push around and load, no. By the way, <laughs> or, or keep
2: in tune when they're being moved. Yeah. Or mic miking uprights. It sucks. It, it's just it's, it's oh, a
3: actually, you know what? I have a little secret trick that um to tell you.
2: <laughs> is it a, is it a keyboard in a shell?
3: Yes. <laughs>
2: All right. That's the way to do it. That's, That's how you no do secret. it. That's no secret. That's the way to we do haven't, it.
3: Man. We haven't used it in so long. I forgot about that. But yeah, it's a keyboard and a shell.
2: <laughs> I, I support that 100%. It's absolutely okay. better than trying to yeah. tune a piano every night. Yeah.
3: All right,
2: Pal Ternside, what you got?
0: I'm, I'm, I, I like <laughs> Tegan and Sarah. What did you, you do too. with them?
3: I was the guitar tech for them.
0: Right on. They're a good show, yeah, they, for sure.
3: They are fucking hilarious those two girls they're just like like i i wish like i could remember any of their little quips and but they're always just so sarcastic really chill super like fun fun girls (laughs) to be around we rehearsed for like a week before we did um some shows that i worked on and they were just a joy to work with like just so much fun
0: i forgot who i saw them with but i it was like at the dodge theater in phoenix and it was such a good show and um it might even been the one with paramore
3: okay i wasn't with them then i only worked with them uh very briefly like for some one-off dates and things like that but um but they were great regardless
0: yeah i've heard really cool things about them really cool things Where
3: are you guys all? And By the way, I'm sorry. I'm going to interview you for a second. Sorry.
0: (laughs) I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I grew up here, but I lived in Scottsdale for a long time, and I lived in Las Vegas for a long time in Springfield, Missouri. Kyle's a
2: globetrotter.
3: What about uh, you guys?
0: I'm
2: in upstate New York. Rome, actually, which is home of Woodstock 99. Uh, So there you go. That's all it's um, that's it. Don't come here. There's nothing to see. Lip biscuit. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I was 11 years old. My dad took me to kind of just go see it. And actually Bill who I've been working with for 20 years now. He was the the local labor coordinator on that. So I have a, a couple friends who were involved with it. Um Flea was naked when I saw chili peppers, Kyle. So uh you yeah, know that's that's pretty <laughs> when you're 11, you know, that's that's the show you want to see. Um, yeah.
3: Oh, I love the chili peppers. I get excited whenever I get a chance to see them because they don't tour in the states very often now.
1: No. Yeah, I'm and I'm I'm just outside of Philly, originally from Maryland.
3: Oh cool. What where's outside of Philly?
1: Um the town I'm in Aston. Like oh, little, okay. do you know that?
3: Um I I used to live outside of Westchester. Oh
1: shit. Okay.
0: Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah yeah, don't feed Phil. It's all over the <laughs> the billboards for a minute there. <laughs>
1: nice, nice.
2: Well, now we're all connected, and networked and everything. That's really <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs>
3: well, are you, so uh, Chris, though, so you're you're corporate. So do you tour anymore or no?
1: no, i, I um I put away touring eleven years ago, actually. Um, actually, uh, July nineteenth will be the start date or my eleventh anniversary at IMS where I'm currently at. Um so for the last 10 years or um I was a director of audio here at the production company and now in the uh technical operations so um yeah it, it's the um the, the touring thing just you know from a family standpoint it just wasn't working out and um had to, had to unfortunately walk away from it it was a very tough decision.
2: Chris is this I don't know if it's a good time or not but we should talk about your your new hire at some point.
1: How uh that's yeah we'll yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, I can mention it briefly. Um, <laughs> um. We're also... I'm almost running out of
2: cheese, man. So let's, <laughs> you know, let's, we gotta just, let's get uh, it going.
1: Yeah, no. So um, Brandon Conley. Um, so yeah. So since I I left my role as director of audio, which I had for ten years, um, and and kind of moved up to operations, um, I had replaced myself, which was a very odd thing to have to do. Um, uh, and um, and so yeah, Brandon Conley, who uh, he's listened to the podcast. I know a ton. Uh, we've virtually we had virtually met um either like din or or zoom hangouts and things like that through, through the years uh he was formerly with Feld entertainment for the last nine years or so uh doing stuff like um disney on ice and and um uh jurassic live and things like that so yeah he he started uh well as of recording here two days ago a day or two ago whatever day oh what let me get this do you think he's Just listening week. right now to this I, I mean it'd be impressive since brandon we're... if you're
2: listening please text chris the word rutabaga and we'll know. <laughs> um, but
1: no, but now we're su- super excited um, to, yeah, new, new new chapters. I mean, I mean, so many companies, so many people will have, will have moved on coming out of this, either new roles, uh, in or out of the industry, different companies. Very, it, I, you know what the mo- I, I texted Brandon this. The most interesting thing was when he posted on LinkedIn that you know, hey, first day at IMS or whatever. The oddest thing, seeing the name or title director of audio under his name and not mine anymore. That, that was, that was intimate. I mean, 10 years of, like seeing do, that. Do you picture. have a, a thing
2: on your desk or like on your Mm-mm. door? There's nothing, no. no physical thing with your title on it. We no.
0: Should get so,
1: him one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, Kyle. Let's, let's get him something. With
0: the going. little pin set, the pin set that sticks. Yeah. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> yeah. it,
1: but that, that was, it was like, you know, you've seen that title next to your name for 10 years, like on LinkedIn yeah. and different places and stuff. Your you email, so like, to see someone else's name next to that. was, that was, yeah. that was, that was interesting. It was like, a, okay, yep. This is, this is official. <laughs>
0: Mary, you know what what's that title oh, is next to your name, though?
1: Dad. Oh, that's,
0: that's okay. the one.
2: Uh, <laughs> oh. Mary, Mary, what's one thing that you learned about tour management that you didn't know when you started and you wish you knew when you started?
3: Because oh I'm gonna gosh. have to do it,
2: I'm gonna end up having to do it someday. I can just feel it, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, <laughs> learn. I'm trying to learn now. Pick <laughs> a yeah. Uh,
3: I'd say, uh, advancing is key i mean and then you just kind of advance the best you can and then you just kind of have to throw everything to the wayside and just expect the unexpected and not be a control freak about everything and not try and be a tyrant and expect people to you know you know who you think you are you know in a way like you can't go in thinking like think being like kind of a bully or being upset when people don't listen to you you know you kind of just have to keep a level head and that's that's challenging at times it's not easy um Mm. but you but if you go in just being like a dick and saying like we got to do this because i said so like no one's gonna listen to you you know
2: yeah but did you ever have a show where you rolled up and there was absolutely nothing that that you advanced like it was just they totally ignored all your stuff does that ever happen to you (laughs) just Um, total mayhem with what was on the rider
3: well that's why there's green M and Ms. That's the whole thing with that. But uh, <laughs> yes. I I do explain that to a bunch of people the other day. They were like, Oh God, that's so that's that's so bougie and like, you know, elitist for people to do that. And I was like, Well, there's a reason people yeah. do that. A safe, it's not, safety
2: a safety reason actually. Yeah, yeah, it's
3: it's not just a whole like, don't you know who I think I am thing. Um but I don't. I can't recall if there was ever a time where, like, the writer didn't have anything that we needed direly, but like, um, (laughs) I I, I was on the
2: receiving end of that. Like, I was the I was the house tech, and the the person who booked the act sent over the writer, but only sent page one
1: oh
2: because they're one of those people who gets really upset if other people see like the contract terms or the whatever hospitality I don't care about what kind of meat they want or don't want you know what I mean but just send me the send me the whole thing so we can avoid this and so there was two more pages of backline that was not included in what I was given and uh, it didn't go well uh oh
1: yep I just got an error uh, right before she got cut out it said
0: she's back. Hey, you can edit uh,
3: my headphones just kind of died on me, but anyway, so keep oh. going, Mike.
2: no, I was just saying that the, the, there were, there were two pages of backline that was not on the information that I received. And so when the act showed up, I was like, yeah, I got all your stuff. And they're like, where's the roads? And I was like, what do you mean? And so um, <laughs> that was a really uncomfortable situation. I felt really bad. It, it wasn't my fault because I had provided everything that I was, given but um it was it was unfortunate
3: i can share with you guys that i was on a tour not too long ago where uh i was the tour manager for the direct support and the tour manager for the headliner he was tm front of house and he was not doing his job as a tour manager um so everything his, his master tour was very just, it looks like, it looks like sort of like what you would get if you just had like put like, you know, like an auto day, stock, you know, stock,
1: stock template. Yeah.
3: It yeah. looks like a template, um, every single day. Cause, um, I think before the tour started, he said, okay. Um, you know, you had me to your master tour. Cause I had my own for our, everything that we needed. Cause we needed hotels and stuff. And then, um, And I'll add you to ours. And then days would go by, weeks would go by. We're one week from the tour starting. And I was like, dude, I was like, you need to add me. Like, I need to get in touch with these contacts for the venues and do my own advance or whatever. And he didn't. And I was just like, well, fuck it. I'm going to fucking call these venues myself and just do my own advance. And then he got mad at me. And he kept trying to cock block me from, like, talking to any of the venues. It was really unprofessional. Um... And then any, uh...
2: <laughs> oh, that's the... I, I talk about... I call this the sandcastle syndrome. Like, I'm playing in a sandbox, and I made a sandcastle, and you can't fucking touch it. Like, don't touch my fucking sandcastle. That's what's going on with that guy.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, what I did, and it's a good trick, is, like, I just relied on all my friends who'd gone through those venues before, and I was like, yeah, I'm dealing with this guy who's not really helping me out. I'm not getting, like, the venue riders the venue, you know... Uh, information so you've been through this venue can you send me the most recent thing you have mm-hmm. so that's what i did is i just kept on like reaching out to friends so he would try and like prohibit me from talking to people and i would just be like all right well my friends have this information so i'll grab it from them and then i at least knew what the event was going on with the venue when i walked in and we walked in because that's what we needed to know because this guy he didn't upload any writers he, d- he just had like a template for like every single day and it was the same times every single day like it was it was just really hard to work around, but we made it work. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was but you know,
2: like whatnot, like I, the, the, the thing that I like about those is I know how not to handle it now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've been the local tech, local monitor engineer for this huge, you know, six or seven act thing coming in and I have to mix the first three or four and I'm given zero fucking information and I literally yeah. have a band like about to go on stage and I'm like, yeah. no one even told me what their inputs are yet. So, um, nah. I, I, I really didn't like how that made me feel and how frustrating it was to like, feel like I couldn't do my job because no one was giving me any information. And so yeah. Like, yeah, I make a point not to do that to the local people and to the other people that are involved in whatever I'm doing. Like, no, let me make sure that everyone has the information. And we talked about this with oh, Shadow. like, like I, every, those things that irritate me when someone else isn't doing something the way that I would like it to be done. Like I try to learn from that. And, and then when I'm in that role, you know, try to apply that.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I mean for for me, that was one of my main things. Is like I need to get these venues my writer, and I need the contacts. So mm-hmm. I would go through my friends, get the writer, get the contacts, and um, pass pass our our touring band's writer on. And um, most of the time, we would go in and they'd be like, "Oh, well, this isn't what the headline guy sent us," and we're like, "Yeah, we know, we're I'm, you know, but." Cause we were on his, I don't know. It was just a weird thing, but like, um, it was just more along the lines, just trying to make sure everybody was in communication with each other. And he just had such an issue with just passing me on information to make my job easier to do that. I don't know why. Um, but I
2: just, (laughs) (laughs)
3: yeah, I know. Um, but it you know, it's funny you use the term um sandcastle, uh, to go on a tangent. Tim Gunn uses that, he's director for like the Gardens of the Galaxy movies and things like that. Um, he's uh, but he says that all the time with uh, directing and movies. It's just like everybody's building sandcastles, and it's the same with touring like everybody's building a fucking sandcastle, and then after the tour or the concert's done, it's like next one, yeah, you know, right. So it's yeah, nothing- exactly
2: that's why I like that metaphor like you're getting all bent out of shape about some sh- like silly like stop you know that's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> fine <exactly>. you know? <laughs> yeah
3: it's just like please like help let help me help you <laughs> oh,
2: all right, all right. Um, so you are you live in on, in California right
3: yeah yeah I do right now I'm um, in Asheville visiting um, some parents I love but
0: Asheville. Right now, yeah, home of the I orange know. peel I so pretty there
3: so oh yeah if,
2: if we if we come out to California to visit you, where are you going to take us to eat?
3: Ooh, well, knowing that I have two Disney nerds with me, um, I would probably take you guys to Clifton's, which is my favorite spot in downtown LA, and it's a uh, four level bar slash cafeteria. So you can get your food on the bottom, and then you go through this lovely journey of like a redwood forest, a tiki bar, a gothic church. And that's all in
2: downtown. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's It's a barateria. Yeah, I dig it. It's a barateria.
0: (laughs) I like that it's cafeteria style. I love eating out of chafing dishes.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that way everybody gets what they want and there's no stress. I
2: love it. I love it. All right, Chris, hit her up.
1: All right, Mary. So if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? (laughs) Wow.
3: What?
2: a question?
1: Yeah. How, do you, how do you want to be remembered? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over yeah, I do you want to be remembered? Yeah, and look, it, it doesn't have to be grandesque, right? I mean, some you know, uh, different people think about this differently, and most people actually don't think about it which is kind of why I like the question. It's like, but you know, like if if um, you know legacy, like you know if if how if how are you? What want, do you
0: want right? on your tombstone? You know, how <laughs> would you
1: want to be remembered or or talked about or what what's you know what, what's the impression you want to leave on people?
3: Um
2: Are you are you doing math right now?
3: No, I'm not. I'm okay, actually
2: we I was like she solving this with math somehow.
3: <laughs> no, I was I was I was uh I was uh anxious about answering the question. I was just kind of picking up my nail. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> You got it, Chris.
3: Um I would say um uh she if, she always tried to look at the positive side of things. Um and she always smelled good. <laughs>
2: wow! Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's
0: awesome.
3: Yay! Wonderful.
2: Very. Thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, thank you for thank you for chatting with us. And we are absolutely gonna uh, dive into some more Disney trivia, secrets, uh, mythology, and conspiracy theories. Um, I don't expect that podcast to to really be too successful. Um, where can people off. catch up with you if they're interested in your work and they want to connect?
3: oh um i'm on instagram it's just uh my username is mary broadbent just all together lowercase uh and that's probably the best way to find me i'm on linkedin but um instagram is the best
2: Sweet. thank you
3: thank you guys thank you.